0: I welcome you this morning. I am so grateful that you chose to come here and to refocus, replenish, uh, recalibrate maybe life. I'm not sure what your week's been like. I I don't know if it's been hectic. I, I don't know if there's been a lot of tears. But I know this, is that each and every week, We have an opportunity to come and to lift up the name of Jesus and to be fed and to be encouraged. And we, or I, am a grateful person. You know, last week's story, if you were with us, at the end of Acts 16, continues to capture me. Every day I was thinking about Paul and Silas. They were doing ministry in a very normal way, if you were with us. They were literally going to a river day after day and teaching. Teaching people about Jesus, teaching people about the kingdom. When one day, well, Paul got a little bit upset. Because every day that he was traveling, there was this demon-possessed girl... <laughs> believe it or not, that was proclaiming that Paul, well, had a relationship with God and that he could teach everybody how to be saved. Well, the message was a pretty good message, but the messenger was a little bit uh, odd. And there was just one point where Paul just says, "Uh, okay, I've had it. And he asked the demon to leave her. He had no idea what was going to happen to him after this. Within moments, he was tossed before the village officials. He was stripped down along with Silas. He was beaten with rods and then tossed into the pit of a dungeon with his legs put in stocks and his arms in chains. He had to scratch his head. Well, maybe not. I didn't know if the chains went that far. But so many things happened right here. And I was so excited again to watch Paul's scenario and to remind myself over and over and over again that Paul just walked with God. That's what he did. He listened to God. He ended up in a horrible, terrible, unhappy place. But even in the very beginning, when he was getting beat, he didn't even mention he was a Roman citizen, but later he did. So somehow the Spirit gave him peace to go through this unjust suffering. That alone inspired me. Lord, when is it that I usually choose the easy path? And then to be able to pray publicly and sing praises about God in a dungeon? How how does somebody do that? I get upset just a little bit and I blame God or I think God is unjust or I wonder if God is with me or working. And these guys, about midnight, praying, praising The prisoners are listening. They can't even believe what's going on there. That cell, what's going on? Earthquake happens. Doors open. Chains fall off. Stocks come apart. (laughs) What is happening? A jailer comes down. A jailer sees this. And Paul is able to share with this jailer good news that Jesus saves. This Jesus that I've been praying to. This Jesus that I've been praising God. Do you understand how he changes your life? Maybe at this time he even told his personal testimony. But all we know is this. Is that the jailer and his family... Came to faith. Probably some other prisoners. Paul eventually leaves, goes back to this little fellowship at Lydia's house, encourages the believers there, looking like he did. Come on, who does this? Who? The only way you or I can do that, the only way, is if we are so convinced God's in control. We're listening to the Spirit, when to talk, when not to talk. That's the adventure. This story inspired me, to it convict me, and I am so sure that in your groups this last week or around your kitchen tables, as you talked about this, you just kept wondering, I want this. God, give me this power not to be destroyed by circumstances, but full of faith, even to a place where I get to share Jesus with others. Because it's that message that changes your life, right? That's what happens so, why are we in Acts and why are we so excited about Acts? Because every time we open this passage, every time we look at some verses, we get inspired and convicted. God, we see how you're working. God, we want you to work the same way. Father, we know circumstances are hard. Lord, we want to give you glory. Lord, make your church your people give them this this sense of who you are so my question is before we even open up act 17 which is so amazing again what changed for you last week as a result of this word were you able to see circumstances different were you able to praise in the praise, in spite of maybe having a week like this? Before we read in Acts seventeen and see how this story continues, oh, let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we we know how wonderful you are we know how great and gracious we know how you love us we know that you sent jesus to be our savior to pay our debt we know the abundant life that you promised us but lord you've also said over and over again that following you means we're going to suffer We're going to go through hard times. We're not going to understand the journey. We we aren't. So God, give us faith. Give us courage. Give us the ability to know when to talk and when not to. Would your spirit be so involved in our lives that we know his nudge? And we recognize his leadership. Lord, you're changing us. Anyone who walks with you, you change us from the inside out so that we, we talk to others differently. We forgive others differently. Lord, we're so amazed as you change us right before our very eyes. And yet, Lord, we are discouraged at times when we don't listen to you, when we blow it. And instead of praising and praying, we mumble and we complain. Oh, Lord, you, you've put us here on this planet for this reason at this time, to be salt and light. Your plan is this church is the church. Father, it it must boggle our minds every day. Why would you choose us? Why are we your ambassadors? Oh God, we desire to walk with you more closely, to see you more clearly. We ask that. We ask that even today, Lord. We pray for not only this church and the churches, but Father, we pray for Meadowland, New Hope, and Life Bridge. We pray for all these three churches who are right in our neck of the woods. And we would ask God that you would do a work in them and through them. And you would equip them for the challenges this day in their world. Lord, as we open up your word, would you give us fresh eyes? Would you give us opportunities, Lord? To be inspired. And where we're convicted, change us, God. Give us the courage. We pray each of these things, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. As Paul left Philippi, that was at the end of chapter 16 of Acts 8 of Acts 16. He was beginning to see a pattern in ministry. And the pattern might be actually a little scary, but, but the pattern was this. Followers of Jesus would suffer and need encouragement. Can, can you imagine this being your recruiting headline you know what, I want to tell you about Jesus. Jesus is so amazing. This is such a life changing experience. And I just want you to know if you follow Jesus, you are going to suffer and you are going to need encouragement. Every hand in that room would go up. <laughs> I want that. Sign me up. I want to suffer and need encouragement all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. But this is what was happening. And maybe even as we proclaim good news, recognize that this is part of following Jesus. The trials and the challenges he had already endured did nothing to diminish his determination and his confidence or even temper his enthusiasm. Paul was in his element, and he had hit his stride as an evangelist and church planner. Hardships for him merely formed part of the landscape. With one city behind, the rest of Greece was before him, and he saw it like a field ready for harvest. So battered and bruised, Paul traveled about a hundred miles to Thessalonica right after he left Philippi. These cities again, I mean, you'll remember some of them, and they're just hard, but the truth was Thessalonica was an important city again. And he knew he needed to go there. Now just a note. In the second century BC, the Romans built a 700-mile, 20-foot-wide stone slab highway called the Via Ignatia. Hmm. That's interesting. But what is interesting about it is is that this road carried Roman troops to battle, taxes to the capital city, merchandise Everywhere. It it would be like an interstate today. And now it carried the gospel to Greece. Yes, Paul had to be grateful for Roman engineering. Now, due to the opposition, the mission, which we're going to find out in Thessalonica, gets cut short. So his team moves on again. But this time they moved 50 miles away to a city called Berea. But there was no Roman highway. Now the accounts which we're going to look at of ministry in these two cities, Thessalonica and Berea, are basically pretty brief. We're going to get a little bit more insight when Paul writes to uh, the church at Thessalonica. And we're going to go over that in in just a little bit. But despite the brevity of the written account, we find some helpful applications and needed inspiration today for scripture-saturated, God-exalted ministry. I just want you to know, this pattern continues to be critical for the church in every culture. A lot of churches have a lot of different ministry philosophies. But the early church had it pretty simple. What they did is proclaim God's word faithfully and talk about God. Talk about the Savior. And sometimes we have a little tendency, even today, to try to fancy up ministry. Or fancy up presentations. And I think there's times for that. But realistically, from the very start of the early church, they focused on proclaiming the scriptures accurately and talking about God. Now, both the Berean and the Thessalonian churches teach us what ministry looks like and the importance of hearing and listening to God's Word. One of the benchmarks of Crosspoint Church has been faithful preaching and teaching of God's Word. And I know even those, many of you sitting here right now, you respect God's Word. I, I, I know that, right? And so some of you may even have read this passage ahead of time or had read it before, and you say, well, well Rick, what, do you, what is this going to teach us? i mean we know god's word we love god's word but the truth is every one of us at times and maybe even some of us old timers well we forget how important god's word is in fact just a little over a year ago we had a study right here right before COVID hit And uh, infiltrated every part of our culture And, And it was called James Boots on the ground And it was a study where we focused In that book Where realistically one of the major themes in James Was just don't listen to God's word Just don't read God's word Do it Do it And he uses an illustration in the first chapter And he says this what god's word is is like a mirror it's a mirror it's something as you read you look at it you see yourself like you would in a mirror and if there's food in your teeth you have two choices if you wake up and your hair is everywhere and you look in the mirror you have two choices Go about your merry day. Have your hair look like bozo. All right? Smile and have all of yesterday's meal on it. Yeah! It's so attractive, isn't it? Well, that's what you can do. You look in the mirror. Hmm, not much. I, oh, yeah, okay, I got to do this, 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 this. And uh, Now I can leave. Now I'm presentable. That's what God's word is. If we were to just read God's word and just say, okay, I got the stuff in my teeth and my hair's a mess, but that's okay. I'm just going to go live. You can, no doubt. But most of us wouldn't live like that. And all James was saying is, God's word is given for each of us so that we can look at it. And when we see something, when God convicts us, when the Holy Spirit is prompting us and poking us, we don't walk away and just say, I'm going to live with it. We respond. So let's learn how to receive and respond God's, to God's word better this morning. All right? Turn with me to Acts chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 17. We're going to focus first of all on Thessalonica, and uh, I'm going to have read for us chapter 17, verses 1 through 10. And what I would ask for you is that you can look in your Bibles, or you can follow along on the screen. Acts 17, starting at verse 1. Let's read.
1: Paul and Silas then traveled to the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. But some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, They dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, and now they are here disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. The people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released them. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea.
0: Let's go back to verses 2 and 3. And I'm going to read those for you. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Paul at this moment connects with the people as he normally does and begins teaching about the Messiah using the scripture. Now Luke, Dr. Luke, who's doing the writing here, he introduces us to a Greek classic word, and actually uses it the rest in the book of Acts. And the Greek word is called reasoned, reasoned. Paul would use this word reason right here when he's speaking about the folks in Thessalonica. But he would also use reason, as we're going to find out later in Acts chapter 17, in Athens. And then in Corinth, and then in Ephesus, and then in Troas. And finally, at the end of the book, in chapter 24, he reasons with the governor, Felix. Now this word reason basically means to converse or to discuss. And when delivered in a lecture, it means to instruct, to teach, to spend time in discourse. So we read for three Sabbaths, three weeks in a row. He reasoned with the people using the Old Testament scriptures, proving that the Messiah had to die and rise again in order to fulfill the prophecies. Paul used scriptures and focused on Jesus. Now, I got to tell you that Jewish theologians struggle to understand how the Messiah could suffer and die on behalf of the people and then reign forever as their king. If somebody dies, they're dead. They don't kind of, you know, get resurrected and reign forever. They had read these prophecies, these same prophecies which I'm going to share with you in a moment, but they found it inconceivable that a true Messiah could die at the hands of enemies, so they dismissed it. Now, let me put it this way, and and maybe it'll even be a little convicting. The religious back then didn't like God's Word, and they dismissed it. whoa I do that sometimes God I, I, I know you say I'm supposed to forgive like you forgive but you know what God that, you don't die. that guy no you must be talking about someone else yeah that's just how it is. So I'm going to dismiss your words. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not. I'm going to do it my way. Now, to be honest, we read the scriptures like that sometimes. We do. And so we get really, you know, judgmental against those Pharisees and what's wrong with those guys and Sometimes we do exactly the same thing. Now Paul probably used texts like Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 to prove the Messiah had to die. We often read those here, especially around Easter time, Good Friday. And we sit back and say, how can you not understand that this is a text about Jesus But they dismissed it. And Paul probably used Psalm 16 to show that the Messiah would rise from the dead. Maybe even Paul opened up Daniel chapter 7 and read verses 13 and 14 where the Messiah reigns forever. Nevertheless, Paul used scriptures to boldly proclaim that Jesus was a Messiah. He wanted them to understand that God was faithful, and God loved them. And the Messiah did come, not to make a political statement, but to die in your place, in my place, so that we might have a relationship with the Almighty God once again. So, look at verse 4 the Thessalonians respond to to the word in verse 4 and 5 they respond two different ways verse 4 some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with many God fearing Greek men and a few or quite a few prominent women now if we just stop there this, this was really good how cool is this? People are responding. People are listening. God's word is going out. There's been repentance, and people are going to join, and we are going to begin another church right here in Thessalonica. Yes! And then, verse 5. But, 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 some of the Jews were jealous. So they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. Maybe after these next few chapters and that, maybe we just say, hey, if you hang out with Paul, there are going to be mobs and riots, okay? It's probably not the best guy to hang around with. But that seemed to happen pretty consistently. So some were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, and a multi-ethnic church was birthed. Again, we don't understand all that, but, but Greeks and Jews, they didn't hang out together. And then add women, which at that time were kind of outcasts. <laughs> and this is the church. This is what happens. Now the truth is, we don't get a lot of more insight here. But if you turn your Bibles, or you can look up at the screen, over to 1 Thessalonians. And this is the first letter that Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica and I'm going to start reading at verse 4 and I know again that the text can you go to that next slide please Uh, the text here is really really small okay and but I'm going to go there first Thessalonians chapter 1 starting in verse 4 we know dear brothers and sisters that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people For when we brought you the good news, Paul says, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. In spite of the severe suffering it brought you, in this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. And as a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece, throughout Macedonia and Achaia. Verse 8, and now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. And whatever And wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it. For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and the true God. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Then over in chapter 2, just verse 13, therefore Paul writes, we never stop thanking God that when you received this message from us, this word of God, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word, this is so cool, underline this part in your Bibles. And this word continues to work in you who believe. The word affected you, and the word still works in you. What Paul was saying is this, when I spoke the word of God to you, when Silas was around, when we were there just for those three weeks, maybe they, you know, spent a little time before he went to the synagogue. I I don't know, but he was there minimally for three weeks. And he says, When when I came, I presented the word, and you saw the word came in power. It's the word of God. It came powerfully. You receive the word of God with joy, even though you know your obedience would bring suffering to you. Now it couldn't mean physical suffering. But it could be others, because as you read God's Word, you recognize that God really is the manager of everything you own, your time, your treasures, your talents. My guess is you will be poorer if you follow Jesus. I think you will. You won't have as much time uh, to yourselves if you follow Jesus. You won't. But it will be amazing. He said lives were changed when we were there. God's word changes lives and it continues to work. It continues to give hope. It continues to encourage you. Of course God's word is amazing. That's what Paul is saying. In fact, you listened to God's word and you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. What a testimony. Nobody even has to say it. They see you across the street. You're talking over the fence and say, Joe, what is going on? You're a different person. You've been so kind to me. You've been forgiving me. I see the way you treat your wife now, Joe. Whoa! You don't talk about her anymore. What is going on? I see joy. Joy. Do you believe it, Joe? You're a happy guy. And there's some things you probably shouldn't be too happy about. You know, you've had some rough days. Joe! This is so cool. What's What happened? Well, I got to tell you, I met Jesus. <laughs> I I, I did he changed everything so what Paul was saying is you naturally have become examples to everyone, everywhere they're talking about it people are telling us of your testimony and right there you kind of stop especially as a teacher and you're going what do people say about me what does my namer say about Rick what do the people at Menards say about Rick when I leave Menards what do just well if I'm walking with God They're going to say, that was the greatest. No, I don't know what they're going to say. But I I, I know this, is that they will wonder. Because our culture today, there's a lot of scary things. There's a lot of hard things going on. Why is that guy so happy? In spite of X, Y, and Z. But Paul goes on and says this. These people are naturally talking about the Word. They're proclaiming the Word. Word changed their lives, so they're talking about it. In fact, they're talking about Jesus' return. And in one way, they're talking about how Jesus rescued us from the terrors of God's judgment. How many of us really believe that somebody without Jesus is going to stand before Him and spend eternity? hell that's what the Bible teaches it's not what any of us want but how come we don't I don't talk more about that say hey Jesus wants a relationship with you he does but I also want you to know you're gonna stand before him someday please Understand how much God loves you. Please recognize God's grace in our lives. Please do that. So a church was formed. But conflict again naturally follows for Jesus' followers. Okay, chapter 17, verse 10. Let's go back. Acts 17, verse 10. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. You know, they had to travel 50 rough miles. There wasn't really no highway to say. The team was forced to leave the church. But as you read in 1 Thessalonians, they really longed to come back and see them. But Paul knew how to get a church going, worked with certain leaders, and got them up running quickly. The team, as we again would read in 1 Thessalonians, that they would come back and encourage them. You see, Paul, even though he left quickly, even though he didn't spend much time, there was a love for these believers and for their growth. Now let's read again chapter 17 only this time we're going to start at verse 10 and go through 15 and we're going to see what happens in Berea and and this is kind of classic that very night i just read the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea when they arrived there they went to the jewish synagogue and the people of Berea were more open-minded and I'd love for you if you mark your Bible circle that open-minded or underline it we're going to go back and try to define this a little bit more in other words the Thessalonians didn't receive God's word but there was something special about how the Bereans did this so so we're going to come back here but again the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. But some of the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea. And they went there and stirred up trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul onto the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those who escorted Paul went with him all the way to Athens. By the way, that's next week. Okay, went to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry up and join now if you look at these verses the emphasis here is on the Bereans eager reception of the word of God these people were more open-minded another way to put it would be more hungry more thirsty more ready all right this reminds me that there are times of greater spiritual response in our lives there are You may wonder why people go to certain churches or part of certain groups or go on retreats or mission trips, and they come back more excited. They come back more on fire. They come back a little bit more committed. Now again, it's not always the atmosphere and not always the scenario and not always, I I guess, the circumstances. But I know this, is that at least these folks, when Paul started teaching, they were hungry, they were thirsty. This is by no means a reprimand, but... So many times, whether you listen to podcasts or whether you come every Sunday, when God's word is being presented, sometimes we don't prepare ourselves. We just come on Sunday because, well, yeah, we do that. We sing and we hear a message. We go home and and sometimes nothing changes. Nothing. Or you say, oh, that's a great point. And then by two o'clock this afternoon, right after your nap, you kind of forgot. What was that point? I don't remember it very well. But these folks, they received it. I encourage, especially when I was a youth pastor, as I sat down with high school students, and we encouraged them to be part of the adult ministries, especially on a Sunday. And they would oh, Pastor Rick, Uh, boring. I don't like the songs. (laughs) Okay, let's do this. Let's begin to look at it differently. Let's see what God actually is going to do in your life. So let's go with an attitude of, hey God, what are you going to teach me? Hey God, what do I need to be reminded of? Hey God, what are you going to reveal to me about you today that will get me excited? Hey, God, what is it that's convicting that I'm going to need to change? God, okay, Holy Spirit, you got me for the next hour. And you know what? It wasn't magic dust, but things began to change. And maybe that's even something for you to hear. Maybe there's some tradition that needs, especially on a Sunday morning or, or a time before you open up the Word yourself. Or a time before you listen to a podcast Lord I'm, I'm not sure What you got for me today But you know Lord I want to hear from you Lord I'm hungry Lord there's some things probably That need to change in my life Father I, I probably need to repent of some things Lord would you teach me Can you imagine what kind of action God would do in your life and in my life if we had that attitude? That we were more open-minded, that we were thirsty, that we were ready. Dr. Luke defines more open-minded here. And I think actually he talks about corporate open-mindedness and personal open-mindedness. First of all, he says, corporately, they were teachable. They listened eagerly. But personally, they opened up the Scriptures daily. The Bible was very, very, very important to them. And they also opened up the Scriptures carefully, which means they studied it. They made sure the truth was being taught. And the results of the scriptures being taught and received in Berea? Conversions, again. People responded. A church was planted. But just like anything else, there was conflict. There was conflict. We read here that Paul moves on. The believers in, in that church saw, oh, okay. Paul, you are a leader. You are one who are, is a church planner. You are one who who God is using in this particular way. And I think even in the short stay, however long it was that Paul stayed there, this new church was sufficiently equipped. He had left a few people back to continue And I just think these young believers wanted to protect their teacher. The new believers proposed a brilliant plan. Let's keep Silas and Timothy back in town. It will give the impression that Paul maybe is still here. But Paul, you go. You go to the next destination. Paul, I I don't even know if he knew what it was when he left But we're going to find out next week he goes into Athens. Oh my word, Athens. It doesn't get you that excited, I know. But, But Athens was quite the place. And that's Paul's next assignment. But it was kind of cool how these young believers said, Hey, we're going to work with you. We're going to protect you. We also know that things get a little rough here, but we live here. God's going to give us strength. God's going to give us perspective. Let's send you to your next des- destination, and Paul is escorted to Athens. You know, this was a great story again today. And the question is every time God's word comes up is have you been inspired or convicted? The goal, at least that Paul was modeling for us, is that wherever he went, there was Scripture given, and it was Scripture saturated, and that he focused on God and be able to elevate God. But I think more than that, not only ministry, I think it's our lives Our goal is to have lives that are filled with God's word and be able to exalt God. This is the pattern or the template of ministry. It's modeled actually here on a Sunday at our main gathering, a time when we come together in order to focus on God. We focus on God the Father. We focus on Jesus, our Savior and Lord. We focus on the Holy Spirit, especially in our study of Acts, who teaches us. He's our coach. He's our convictor. He's the one that changes us from the inside. And when we understand who God is, we begin to praise Him and honor Him and respect Him and give Him awe. I was just singing this morning Line after line Just encouraged my heart I was able to recalibrate I was able to get ready for the next part Be able to present God's word My heart was full As I worshipped I'm so grateful For the team For the way that I get to realign my thoughts about who God is as I sing. Once that happens, then we recognize that that this wonderful God, this amazing God is a God that's worthy to obey. It's a God that we begin to thank more and we're grateful for His grace and His mercy. And then it usually follows up, although sometimes we, we switch it up. We focus on the Scriptures because the Scriptures illuminate God. It helps us understand who God is. It reveals God's salvation and His mission. Helps us accomplish what He chooses to accomplish. It gives us hope and encourages our faith. It is not just about knowledge. You can sit at home and just read about God, but this is about learning who God is and obeying Him. Especially the Bereans, the Word of God was eagerly received. They wanted to obey corporately and personally. You see, obedience changes us. It changes us from the inside out. We bear fruit, but obedience always brings suffering. Now, this not only should be a template of our ministry here, but it should be a template of our lives. As we live our lives, as whether we're in small groups or whether we're gathering around a meal in our families, that we might be able to focus on the Scripture every time. Teach others what God is learning or or teaching us, what we are learning. It doesn't mean every meal is a Bible study, but it's something that's done naturally. Every time a group gathers, every time, God, what are you teaching me? I had a chance to go to a graduation party yesterday. Met a bunch of older friends, but but I was able to focus in on at least a couple of the graduates. And and one of the things I, I just asked, what did God teach you during the senior year of COVID? What, how do you see God differently? What has encouraged you in life? It was fun for me to hear how different she responded and how she responded to God. You know, we started off with Psalm 119, and it's such a wonderful psalm. I, I guess every psalm is wonderful, but Psalm 119 just talks about how wonderful God's Word is how it changes my life, how I need it every day, how it gives me perspective, how much hope I have, how much I can be encouraged, how much I can trust God, how wonderful God is, how big God is. Oh, my friends, God's Word is so important. And obeying Him is so critical. And learning about Him is life-changing. Lastly, and we'll finish with this, is that followers of Jesus will suffer and need encouragement. They they do. Hardship and conflict and sacrifice is is a call to follow Jesus. And because of that, I think that's why Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, let every word... Let everything you say that I say be good and helpful, encouraging one another. That one verse will change your whole perspective this week. It just will. Life is hard. Life is challenging. But we have opportunity every day to pump people's tires. God's mission is unfinished. And he has sent us out to make an impact. May God give you courage. May we learn from these two churches. Recognize how important it is in ministry and life to be part or to learn from God's word and to be able to proclaim who God is to everyone we see. Let's pray. Father, once again, we are grateful. We thank you. We ask you, God, that you would change us. Paul focused on these two verses a long time ago, or, or churches a long time ago. We ask you, God, that, that we would learn how to receive your word better to prepare ourselves to proclaim faithfully and that you would receive honor and glory from our lives and our church in jesus name amen